our family has grown. Welcome to the world, Hannah baby. Introducing a new collection, Hannah Soft, made with Tencel. It's so breathable, with stretchy comfort for all of baby's first moments. And it's cool and gentle on their skin all year round. Entrusted Hannah quality for your most precious gift. Hannah Soft, made to last. Shop now at hannahanderson.com. The following podcast contains explicit language. Welcome to Mom and Dad are Fighting, Slate's parenting podcast for Thursday, June 15th, the Teenage Invasion Edition. I am Carvel Wallace. I'm a freelance writer in Oakland, and I'm the father of Georgia, who is 11, and Ezra, who is 14. I'm Rebecca Lavoie. I am a writer and podcaster in New Hampshire, and I am the mother of Henry, who is 15 and a half, Teddy, who is 14, and a stepdaughter, Lily, who is 17. And today we're going to be discussing a listener question about having biracial children and, as always, triumphs and fails and recommendations. You may have noticed that Gabe is not with us today. He's out sick. But we do have a very special guest in his stead. Joining me in the Berkeley studio, live and in person, is... Uh, my name is Ezra Wallace, and I am the child of Carvel Wallace. I'm 14 years old. That's right. We have a real live child, teenager, person in the studio. I can't wait. I've been looking forward to this like you would not believe. It's going to be epic. Um, all right. So let's get into triumphs and fails. Rebecca. Well, listeners of this show, I don't think you were on this episode, Carvel. I think it was the first episode on this show that I, on which I appeared. I talked about how my son, Teddy, who's just about to graduate eighth grade, is not good at doing his homework and keeping up with the schoolwork in general and how I had um, – hired basically a neighbor boy who's a genius to be a teenage life coach for him to help him through and, and build those skills and just to sit with him and do his homework so I didn't have to have that fight every day. And at that time, I was saying, this is a triumph. I figured this out. Well, as it turns out, it was a total fail. Um, Teddy has been <laughs> systematically continuing to do <laughs> as little as possible. And um, <laughs> we have just a couple of days of the regular school year left. And I am once again facing panicked emails from his German teacher and his English teacher and so forth about how he has this huge pile of stuff to do. Otherwise, he's not going to pass the class for the year. Uh, and it is where it get once again in panic mode, cleanup mode, where he's having meetings with teachers and meeting with the guidance counselor. And I have to go meet with the teachers and see if we can figure something out. You know, I had reached this place of peace where I just sort of thought, all right, my kid who is really, 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 really smart, like he's basically genius level smart when he gets all the standardized tests back, like his scores are off the charts, just doesn't have this, you know, piece of his learning and his being able to do work developed. And, you know, I've talked about him being on medication for ADHD and then not be and how he sort of struggles with those executive things. But I really was starting to feel comfortable with this idea of not focusing so much on the grades that, you know, if he ends up being a BC student for a couple of years as he's figuring these things out, if he ends up not being in all the honors classes, like I've come to a place where I can deal with that and, and just be at peace with it and not fight about it. But I didn't think I was going to end up having to once again, go have all these teacher meetings at the end of the year and deal with a situation that I didn't know was as bad as it is. And that's where the fail lies is that He's mm. he's so good at this, I swear to God, uh, mm. at managing these things and keeping the barrier up. And not only with me, but yeah. with his tutor, who basically looks at his online thing every day and with his teachers uh, making promises and sort of doing the paying Peter to 
you know, robbing from Peter to pay Paul. Robbing Peter to pay Paul. Game. Yeah. yeah. He's really good at it. And it's like if you just apply a little bit of that skill to just getting these stupid things done, uh, I wouldn't once again be a parental failure who has to go in and meet with teachers and explain that I didn't know it was <laughs> as bad as it actually is. So that's my fail. Well, to be fair, and that it, I know that that feels terrible, but to be fair, I mean, this is what kids are good at is like <laughs> keeping this from happening lying <laughs> keeping you from having it yes lying and moving ob- obfuscating the truth and making it difficult for you to know what's actually really going on so you know it's just in some ways you're you're it's a success because your kid is really good at his job oh so yeah you can, you can look at it that way he's gonna be an amazing um, con but, man someday like amazing <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, it's uh, the the phrase "teenage life coach" sounded so great that uh, I, I think we're all a little disappointed to find out that that's not a, a, a silver bullet uh, for the whole for all of parenting. Unfortunately, no. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, in that regard, I'm going to go. It is the it is the end of the school year, so everyone is kind of like catching up with wrapping up with what actually happened. So, to me, I try to alternate triumphs and fails, but. I don't remember what I did last week, but this week I'm going to do a triumph. And my triumph is just that it's the end of the school year and there has been just a number of things that have happened this year that have proven to me that my kids are actually really awesome. First of all, my daughter got her final report card. It is straight A's. Oh. There's nothing on that report card that is not an A. I'm so jealous. And it has been that way for the entire <laughs> year. She Well, don't worry because then we'll get to the other one. But um, – <laughs> but, <laughs> so, uh, and she, this year she was in sixth grade. She went to a new school. She didn't know anyone at the school. She had to transfer school districts. She felt really overwhelmed. I mean, I dropped her off on that first day, tiny, first day of middle school. She takes her little backpack, her huge backpack on her little frame, and she disappears into this asphalt, you know, schoolyard with all these kids. And by the end of the year, she's got this huge cadre of friends and she's had a sleepover with one of them last night and she brings home straight A's and she loves the teachers and she, and she just did so well. I'm just so proud of her for how she handled the sixth grade year, which could have gone either way. And then, um, the other child who has joined us today, Hi. <laughs> grades wise, let's be honest. <laughs> It wasn't great. Would you agree with that? I would agree that it wasn't great. Okay. We would agree that it wasn't great. And similar to you, Rebecca, you know, it's been like his mother and I have gone back and forth over the last six years. How much should we pay attention? Should we take this seriously? Never mind. Oh, my God. It's worse than we thought. But at the end of this year, he did other projects for his school. He made this film for his school. Mm, I saw it. He graduated and talked. Yeah. we And, and we'll probably put that up on the page. And, uh, and just realizing – how much he is doing and how great he's turning out, despite the fact that the grades thing continues to be a source of frustration. I'm just going to call it a win and say both the kids are doing great and it's a triumph. Yeah, yeah. And that's great because that's honestly, that's kind of where I am with Teddy, too, if it were not for all of these panic phone calls and meetings that are happening. Because, you know, he's doing great in every other way. As we know, that's the most important thing. Right? Right? Yeah. Right? We hope so. (laughs) But every once in a while. (laughs) All right. Ezra, do you have a triumph or fail? Yes. Uh, my triumph this week or uh, recently on Friday, I graduated from middle school. You know, that's over. That was an ordeal. Congratulations. So, um, yeah, yeah, I'm really I mean, it's a big step going into high school. Uh, both my parents cried and, you know, some of my family friends were there and they cried and, 
it was really like it was it was an interesting experience for me to see the people that I know love and care about me like cry and be super happy that I'm taking this big step. Uh, something that was a fail for me, uh, and this is a more like a over. This happens uh, a lot. Um, is my mom? Uh, she really values her sleep. And, um, as a, you know, as a kid, I actually, I should value my sleep, but I, I don't. And, um, and it's been this super, like, conflict of interest between us through the past months. And, like, I'm getting older, so I guess I'm getting more defiant towards my parents. And I just, uh, feel that hap- happening naturally. And, and that conflict between us has, like, brought us, you know, t- uh, away in a lot of, uh, ways. And so that's been a fail for me is that we have that conflict about our sleep and she really wants to get like a lot of sleep because she gets up at 5 a.m. every morning to work and she really wants to get a lot of sleep and I don't care. And it's like, I'm up, I'm out in the living room while she's trying to sleep. And so that's, that's been like a huge fail. Um, and we're, I'm, we're trying to resolve it. And yeah, that's my, my fail. Can I ask you a question about that? So yes. what do you think that you might want to do differently? Like, like you know what I mean? Like, where do you feel like you might want to change your behavior, if anywhere? Uh, I want to change my behavior. I want to, I mean, literally, and I. this is going to be a shocker to the parents here, but, uh, like, it's literally hard to not defy your parents <laughs> when you're a teenager. <laughs> it's actually, you actually struggle to not do it. Hmm. So, so... I mean, I mean, you know, the best I can do is just try to be more respectful of uh, not just her, but like any of my parents' uh, rules and, you know, things like that. Well, geez, I kind of feel like the fact that you're even saying that you've kind of like already solved the problem. You know, it's just like in the moment, it's hard not to do it. No, that didn't solve it at all. (laughs) Yeah, that didn't solve it at all. You're just (laughs) acknowledging it. (laughs) Before we move on to our listener question, we're going to do a little bit of business. Uh, first of all, I want to tell you about another Slate show. It's Slate's I Have to Ask, hosted by Slate's own Isaac Chotner. I Have to Ask is an interview show with some of the most interesting and provocative figures in politics and culture. People like Andrew Sullivan, Jonathan Chait, Chuck Schumer, David Grand. You should check out I Have to Ask at slate.com slash ask or Apple Podcast, or wherever it is that you get your podcast. And if you want to ask us a question on the air, uh, leave us a voicemail at 424-255-7833. It's the best way to have us respond to your questions, and obviously we love hearing from you. On Slate Plus, Gabriel Roth is going to join us from his sickbed to give us his parenting triumph or fail. I think the fact that he's doing a podcast while sick is part of the triumph, but we'll see how he's faring. And if you want to hear that segment, now is the best time to join Slate Plus. Go to slate.com slash app to download the new Slate app and try Slate Plus free for 90 days. You'll get bonus segments from your favorite Slate shows and ad-free podcasts. Okay, moving on. Wait, wait. Before we move on, um, we have Ezra here with us, and I wanted to clear up a couple things that have come up on this show previously. Maybe just ask him a couple of true and false questions. Is that okay with you guys? Yes, it's totally okay with me. It's not okay with me. Everything I said is true. Don't listen to him. (laughs) So, Ezra, you know, I do this parenting (laughs) podcast with your dad, and he talks about you and your sister all the time. And then he also talks about himself as a parent. And a couple of things have stuck out to me. Mm-hmm. that are recurring themes and i sometimes wonder about 
whether or not it's him like thinking of himself that way or whether or not it's actually true. So I just have a couple of true and false mm. questions for you, if you don't mind answering these All for right. me. Um, number one, your dad, true or false, is super impatient, especially when it comes to everything every day. True or false? False. Really? Uh, my father can be impatient, uh, but I think that's natural for a parent to be impatient. Uh, and, and, uh, well, I mean, he can be impatient, but he's not impatient all the time. He, like, I think that he really actually does do a good job. He's a little more strict than I think that, you know, he has to be, but I think he does a good job of, like, asking us once, asking us twice, and then getting mad at us, which, you know, at that point. So I don't think he's impatient all the time, but he can definitely be impatient. I mean, especially if there's, like, an external conflict, like, if he's, like, I don't know, mad about something at work or, like, relationship or whatever, then he's quick to, quick to bite. All right. Now, number two, true or false, your dad is super controlling when it comes to being in the kitchen when food is being prepared. True or false? 100% 100 true. (laughs) What's behind that? What's the deal? There's nothing truer than that. Uh... My dad's, I mean, my dad's a good cook, so I'm sure, I mean, it pays off. So to, to be super controlling in the kitchen, you know, it, so, so yeah. Um, but yeah, that's definitely true. Uh, what's behind that is I think that the kitchen, I mean, without getting too, uh, deep into it, I think that the kitchen is like his domain. Um, and I think that, and this might be a little deep for a 14 year old, but, uh, I think that the kitchen is like his domain. And a lot of us, I think a lot of parents struggle to have control over, uh, their kids and their lives and things like that. Um, so I think that when you, when you get that chance to have that control over, you know, the kitchen, this is my kitchen, this is my domain, I get to, cook and so that's really really what i think is behind that it's his sanctuary wow that's way yeah that's yeah that's way better than i thought he has more insight to me than i I was just like it's too hot to have people in the kitchen get out like just no get away from me you suck i don't want to see you right now (laughs) buzz off no uh that's good that's really good i'm gonna me and my therapist will think about that yeah just i said one more and um and that's just i want to know you guys were like a few minutes late today um, Ezra, was that 100% your fault? Because your dad talks about you losing your shoes a lot. Is that what happened today? True or false? No, I have on slides right now, so <laughs> I didn't lose my shoes. But um, I, oh, I, I didn't get out of bed this morning when he told me to get out of bed. So, I, I mean, yeah, I, well, I have a problem with being late, so I'll just say that. All right. Like, yeah. Yeah, and when we both have a problem with being late. It runs in the family. It's just that I've had more years to practice mm around it yeah. and he's still he's still learning the, the extent of the problem <laughs> all right those were my questions thank you very much for taking the time right. to answer those ezra i really appreciate yeah. it i feel like I, I understand your father a lot more now good ezra you'll find an envelope full of cash under <laughs> the seat just take it and be quiet all right we're now we're going to move on to our listener question we're going to hear from nita hi my name is nita this is a message for mom and dad are fighting I uh, am a rare listener, perhaps, who does not have kids yet, but uh, I'm trying with my husband. And I recently heard Carvel mention that he, his wife is white and that his kids are biracial. And my husband is 
black and I am white. We are trying to have kids right now. And um, I just wanted to hear more. I wanted to hope um, prompt a conversation. So I live in Brooklyn, um, but most of my friends are white and my husband's friends as well. He's not very close with his family. We're closer to my family, but they are very conservative, although they're lovely and have not, but it hasn't even been an issue or a thing that we're biracial or anyway. Um, so I just, I wanted to prompt a discussion and hope that you guys will talk about it. Thanks so much. Bye. Huh. Well, this is a huge topic, obviously. And I don't know. It, so what's interesting about this topic is that there's no real question there. It's not like, should we have biracial kids? Should we not? Um, you know, how should, how should we talk to my family about it? Like there's none of that. It's just, it's just kind of a wide open question about like the difficulties of raising multiracial kids in a time like this. And I think that I'm not going to be able to do it justice in this, but I do think the one thing I think might be useful. Everyone knows that it's complicated. Everyone knows that problems arise. One thing people might not know is that those problems arise no matter where you are. So sometimes there's this feeling of like, like the listener mentions that they're in Brooklyn. Well, we live in Oakland and Oakland, Berkeley. That's kind of like our area where we operate, go to school. And there's like ton of biracial kids here. And I think the kid's mom and I back in 20, you know, 2003, when we were about to have kids sort of naively believed that that would make race a complete non-issue. Hmm. I don't know if I believe that a lot, but I believed it more than I do now. And, and while I still think that having biracial kids in a place like Oakland and Berkeley, where like my daughter, for example, every single one of her friends is biracial. And, um, and where, where that is like probably less than it would be if we were in like some other part of the country, it still, it still comes up for the kids in a way that I think the parents don't think about. So as is typical with the pre birth parenting is that you think a lot about the parenting, but not a lot about the kids. So it's like, is it going to be hard for me to have biracial kids? Am I going to be confused? Are people going to give me looks? Blah, blah, blah. All that stuff is valid. And I think if you live in some places, it's going to be different than in others. But I think the thing that I'm learning more and more about every day, and I think Ezra can speak to this, is the difficulty of being a biracial kid in America and what you do about identity and where you belong. And I didn't know how quickly my kids were going to bring that stuff up. I didn't know how quickly my kids were going to say the playground at their school, Malcolm X Elementary in South Berkeley, which is as progressive a school as you can get to, that the playground is ultimately segregated. White kids are here. Black kids are here. feels like mixed kids have to choose a side. Ezra, can you talk a little bit about that experience for you at Malcolm X and going forward? I can definitely talk about the experience. Uh, uh, here in – even here in Berkeley and Oakland – there is 100% clicks, and those clicks are divided by race. Um, there is, you know, you, ha- I mean, just a typical, my elementary school playground, you had the black kids on the court playing basketball, you had the white kids hanging over by the swing set, you had like, you know, the Mexican kids on the playground, the monkey bars, and it's like, it's just segregated, and there's not much mixing. So when you're mixed, when you're uh, biracial or multiracial, then you really have to pick a side. And, I mean, being biracial, like, my race is the hardest thing I've ever had to go through, just being alive as a biracial person, because no one knows what you are because just they just don't. And, you know, and and you have to pick a side of 
oh, you know, I've there's a quote, popular quote that's um too black for the white kids and too white for the black kids, and and that is a hundred percent true. Like you know, when I'm hanging out with white kids, people they look at me weird when I say y'all or whatever. But when I'm hanging out with black kids, you know, and I say some like scientific fact or whatever. Uh, then they look at me weird and I get judged, or at least I feel like I'm getting judged. Um, and I get judged even like by like, uh, brown people, like, um, Mexicans and Latinos and, um, like Arabic. And, you know, I get judged by them. They're like, like, you're like, someone once said, I'm a fake, uh, Muslim. Uh, it's like an Arabic kid, I guess, at a water park. Someone said I was a fake Muslim. Um, yeah, so, so, like, I mean, there's uh, so many, uh, uh, issues that come up with being biracial in any place, not just, you know, the freaking South, uh, Florida, whatever, like, like, it comes up 100% here in Oakland, Berkeley. So how do you, how do you find, how do you navigate that? What kinds of things are, we, I understand what you're struggling with, but how do you... What have you concluded, if anything? Find your people, man. Uh, I think that you kids in particular, because being a teenager is it's difficult. We all want to just like fit in and, and be like cool. And we think that who we hang out with dictates if we're cool enough. Like if we're hanging out with the cool uh, white kids that have all the designer brand clothing or like the black kids that are all play basketball, then we're going to be cool. But I would just say, find your people. That's what I do is that, you know, you got to find the people that you really do enjoy hanging out with. And, you know, yeah. And like your coolness level is not, uh, dictated by who you hang out with or like what race of people you hang out with. So that's what I do to deal with that is, you know, find the people that I really do enjoy hanging out with. Mm. Now you're, you're talking a lot about, you know, interacting with other kids in school and, you know, your parents aren't together. So sometimes you're with your dad who's black and sometimes you're with your mom who's white. And I'm, I'm curious about your interactions with the world, you know, when you're with your family, like when you're out with your parents. And is there a difference, you know, when you're with your mom versus when you're with your dad? I mean, this is something that, um, you know, you're here and I have the opportunity to ask you. <laughs> so I hope you don't mind me asking that question. Uh, the most the most common phrase I ever get when my dad pulls up in his busted up old red minivan that's your dad all the time, <laughs> all the time, like all the time. Someone there's actually a, like a trend at school right now saying my dad beats me up because he looks so angry and scary, <laughs> which is like probably has to do with this race. So so, yeah. And and they say that's why I walk funny, which is just it's it's crazy. So basically um, and then also my mom is like like everyone's like, oh, Ezra, you have a white mom. That's why you're so white. That's why you talk white. That's why you're and like uh, apparently the traits of being white are like being educated. And like, you know, liking freaking, I don't know, superhero movies, whatever. And, um, and like, you know, they say that. So it's like, there's, when you're mixed, there's no, and I, I honestly, I don't even think it's this way for white or black people. When you're mixed, there's, people are always going to judge you for how white or you, you're being mm. or how black you're being. So, so there's no, like, you can't just be yourself. You can't just be Ezra. And yeah, your ethnicity or your race, like, 
is a part of you, but it doesn't have to define you. Like, because I'm black and white, it doesn't mean that I'm, like, you know, either a super white, like, nerdy person or, like, a super black, hardcore guy. Like, you know, I can be myself. So, yeah, that's, and, and, you know, out when I'm with my, both of my parents, um, that's when I get the most homeless people telling, uh, me that I'm beautiful. Um, it's when I, when, is when I have, when I'm out with both my parents, they always yell like, oh, you're so beautiful. You have beautiful children. So I think, I think people really respect it. I think older people really respect it when it's both of my parents with me and my sister, but kids, like when it's just me and my black dad or my white mom, then they are, they freak out and they don't know what to do and they go in like insult mode. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. It sounds like a lot of what you're saying too is that there is a kind of, um, that people, I think, I think similarly around the way people are with gender, which is that what I think one of the, my, one of my theories about transgender people is because people are like, well, I need to treat you differently based on your gender. Like I have a whole system for how I treat you, understand you, talk to you based on whether you're a man or a woman. And if someone's trans or seems to be gender fluid, it's like all of a sudden that upsets my whole plan for how I was going to treat you. I don't know what, should I respect you? Should I not respect you? Like I'm hella confused. And I feel like that's a little bit what you're saying about race is that people have these gendered, I mean, these uh, racial stereotypes. Like if a white person, if you're a white person, you need to be treated this way. If you're a black person, you need to be treated and understood this way. And that people who seem to be mixed confuse that and Part of the desire that people have to pin you down one way or another is to, like, put things back in order in their mind. Yep. <laughs> you said it great. That is true. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Fascinating. Um, so I guess to, I mean, to wrap it up, like, do you uh, do you feel like there's anything positive that you take from it or how you know what I'm saying? Because. I mean, from being mixed in general? Yeah, from the experience of going through the world in this way, do you think it gives you a certain point of view, something like, tell me a little bit about yes. that. Yes. I read an article the other day that mixed people are genetically superior to all other humans. <laughs> that oh, made boy. me feel good. <laughs> just, good. So, there you go. That's all we needed. All right. <laughs> well, now we know. But um, there's definitely advantages. You see the world from an amazing, beautiful lens. Uh, you know, you, you're not, you, you are defined by your uh, race, I guess you're perceived in society as that, but inside, you know, like who you are, you know, that I think people like uh, a lot of some things like white supremacists, like throw around is that like mixed people are in this constant identity crisis. I actually think it's the exact opposite. I think that mixed people know who they are, like maybe even more than, uh, one race people and because we just have that sense of identity that you know we are multiple races so so we're multiple races we're most we have multiple cultures multiple backgrounds and we know that we're aware of both of our cultures so or i mean I, at least i would hope that you're aware of both of your cultures so i that's really the advantage is that you have that sense of identity i would think that you're proud to you know, see the world from different angles, and yeah. So th- those are really the advantages of being uh, mixed, biracial, multiracial. Hmm. Whatever. Awesome. Well, uh, I I thank you so much, Ezra, for talking publicly about this, and, and like in general, I you know I just want to say like I 
There was one day I remember looking at you, you were like six or seven, and I was like, oh my God, this kid is having an experience that I literally don't know anything about, that he's going to have alone, which is the experience of being a mixed kid in, you know, it was like a realization yeah. that I didn't quite have. And so at this point, I'm just, I just feel l lucky and blessed to kind of like listen to you, think it through and talk it through. And I really respect the way you think it through and talk yeah, it through. Yeah, actually, I forgot about that one last thing. Uh, your parents don't need, both of your parents don't know what it's like right, to right. be mixed. Yeah. Which is like one of the hardest things is that, you know, neither of your parents know what it's like to be mixed. You know, they're not having, they've never had that experience. You know, mm. whether, where, if, as if you were black or if you were white, then your parents have had that experience. Mm. So, yeah. Yeah. Excellent. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Now it is time for recommendations. Rebecca, what do you got? Well, I've got something for parents who don't mind their kids uh, being exposed to media that contains swearing. So I'll just get out of the way. Um, we talked about this uh, new podcast on my podcast this week on which we talk about podcasts. But I, one of the times I listened to it, I listened to it with my son. I listened to it four times because we were going to be reviewing it. And that's the new podcast from Radiotopia called Ear Hustle. It is produced in San Quentin Prison. It is produced 100% by inmates at San Quentin Prison working with a visual artist from who's, who lives in the area. And what is really wonderful about the first episode of this podcast, and that's what I'm specifically re uh, recommending, is the pilot episode. Because the podcast is about, or at least this first episode, does not focus on issues around criminal justice. They're kind of in the background and there are a lot of moments in the show that make you sort of stop and ask yourself those questions. The main story of episode one is about how difficult it is to live with someone. And it's told through the lens of inmates talking about their experiences with cellmates uh, in the prison. And the main story in this first episode is about a pair of brothers who were both incarcerated at the same time and decided it would be safest and happiest for them to be cellmates together. And it was a comedy of error disaster. And even though the what they're talking about in some ways is not relatable, uh, I think it won't be relatable to anybody who hasn't had a lot of exposure to the criminal justice system or prisons. The stuff they talk about, the reason they couldn't live together, rings so true with anybody who has ever had a sibling or a family member or a spouse uh, with whom they've like lived as a family together, because it's really about how you can be in the same family and be two entirely different people. Um, that's the main reason I'm recommending it. I will say this episode of this podcast, Ear Hustle, episode one, is 
almost perfect from beginning to end. There are a lot of conversation starters in it about justice, about, uh, you know, sentencing, about race. But those are underneath this very, very beautifully told, beautifully produced story about how hard it is to live with someone, even if they're your brother. So I can't recommend it enough. Um, and we can put the link to Ear Hustle. I'm sure it's everywhere. It's probably going to be number one on iTunes by the time this episode drops, so it shouldn't be hard to find. By the time you're done. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but we'll, we'll be sure to help you find it if, if you can't find it yourself. Awesome. Uh, sounds great. Ezra, what do you got for recommendations? So my recommendation is for parents uh, out there that um, have children that are into uh, gaming and movies, um, like video games and movies. Mm -hmm. And uh, this is actually a website. It's called Common Sense Media. Uh, I don't know if any of you guys have heard of it, but it's uh, basically what it is, is it's a website where you can go on there and you can search different movies, video games, uh, I think there might be books and things like that on there as well, and it basically has a community of parents, teachers, and kids that say if this game is acceptable for what age and, you know, if it's what what's in it, what are the content. So, like, you know, I know a lot of parents, you know, they have busy lives, they're not going to spend every waking moment of their life, like, worrying about their child's uh, media intake. So that's what this website is for, is that you can go on there, you can research what your child is looking at, and you can see how it affects them, and you can talk to other parents and other kids and other uh, professionals about that. And uh, I think that it also gives you, like, a age rating about, like, who should be... Um, who should be consuming the media, like either the game or the movie or the book or whatever. And, um, and yeah, so I think that it's really helpful. I, a couple, not recently, but I would use it sometimes to like persuade my parents to like, <laughs> you know, get me like to like buy like violent video games and stuff. Go for good so, for you. Yeah. So, uh, well, I mean, so, you know, it's, it's not like biased or anything like that. It's not trying to like ruin kids' lives. So I would say, yeah, definitely use that if you have, if you want to know more about what your kid is intaking. I love that website too, because Common Sense Media, they post a lot of research there. It shows things like, you know, it, it might change parents' minds about, you know, certain video games that appear violent, first-person shooter games, for instance. They have research that shows that those games can be very pro-social and social gathering spaces for kids, and it, it builds teamwork and a sort of a sense of um, camaraderie, you know, and certain games are not. So I, I think it's very – it is a great tool, and I think it's really clever that you're using it to persuade your parents to uh, get to your get, – get over to your side in certain instances. Good for you. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, my recommendation, I'm just going to go with the old standby, which is I don't know why we still love this game, even though we're all like as old as dirt. I mean, the kids are way too old to be playing this, but we still laugh. Is freaking apples to apples. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, do we not still love apples to apples? Apples to apples. Like when awesome. me, you, Phoenix, Georgia, Laura, whatever, get together. I mean, we're all everyone's I mean, like it's literally it's, it's just a perfect game. It's just the perfect game. And it's just, and it, and it's almost like the longer the relationship you have with the people that you're playing with, the more fun it is. Yeah. Because you, because you understand all these complex things about their psychology and their tendencies and habits. And it's just, Apples to Apples is just one of the great family games. I feel like we can break it out at any time under any mood, no matter 
what everyone feels like if we break out apples to apples, pretty much everyone is going to be laughing okay. within, you know, 15, 20 minutes. So that's my recommendation for today. I don't care how old your kids are, how jaded you feel like everyone is. I don't care what is happening in the world. Take a moment, break out apples to apples. And, uh, <laughs> and there's the a junior version, too, for younger kids, which is so great because you can train your younger kids to, like, appreciate this game with the junior version. Yeah, there's a junior version, but it's... It, it's not It's not as good. Let's be honest. Yeah, it's not as good at all. It's not as good at all. <laughs> well, um, there's, like, there's, like, things like, 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 I don't know, like, stuff that, like, nine-year-olds might not know. Like, I don't know, just a random example. Like, the freaking Great Gatsby. Right. Like, I don't know what that is. So, yeah, just, like, things like that. So junior version is helpful. Nice. Mom and Dad Are Fighting is produced by Benjamin Frisch. The homepage for the show is slate.com slash mom and dad. If you have a question you'd like to ask us on air, please leave us a message at 424-255-7833. You can also join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash mom and dad are fighting, where you can see Ezra's video that we were talking about at the beginning of the podcast and any other stuff that we post from the show. Um, it's also a great place to tell us what you think of the show. Uh, so for Rebecca Lavoie and Ezra Wallace... I'm Carvel Wallace, and we'll see you next week. Is, is there any other content that I should plug in this section? Ezra's over here dabbing. Plug my Instagram. <laughs> Please. <laughs> at, at, at young.sunny underscore. Uh, young is spelled Y-U-N-G. I'm going to follow you right now. Please do. follow me right now. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you Lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.